Let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for the word that you have sent to be among us, and we, we give you thanks for the faith to receive it, and we ask for your aid that in receiving and believing we may enact it in our lives and in our community. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, this Sunday, uh, we begin a six-week sermon series on the Psalms. Psalms kind of sounds like songs, doesn't it? And that's a pretty good way to think about the Psalms. They are the ancient hymns and poetry of Israel. They're prayers. Just like in church today, what Kate read, uh, in ancient Israel, psalms would have been used in worship and in religious rituals. And then outside of worship, fragments of psalms, kind of like poems, like uh, the few lines of a beloved song, they tend to get lodged in your mind or in your heart. And then they make their way into what you're humming as you're cleaning up after supper or uh, what you might write in a note to a friend who's going through a hard time. Or uh, they work their way into just everyday speech. And that's why the Psalms themselves appear in various parts of the Old and New Testament. Uh, They're not contained just to the book of Psalms. Psalms provide us a language in faith and prayer that that can go deeper than our own understanding, our own thoughts. They teach us, but without really a clear lesson sometimes. They tell a story, but not always with a very clear plot. Psalms give us voice to express big feelings, like, like grand happiness and praise. But they also express fear and despair, doubt and anguish. Maybe you've heard a a song and it's it's just brought you to tears because it it speaks so much to to what you're feeling in, in a situation. Maybe a heartbreak. Any country music fans? Reliably sad music just really gets at what 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 you're feeling. I like I found the 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 classic country station in the area and man, those are some sad songs. So if you need to somebody to help you feel sad, you can you know where to turn. And maybe you you can think of a song right now that whatever you're feeling when it comes on, you can't help but feel better. As much as you you might want to feel sad, that song comes on and it just makes you feel good. Since our children were babies, if a car drives by our house playing loud music, they cannot help but move to the music. There's something deep within us that responds to music and poetry, even if we don't understand it. It moves us in our bodies and our souls. So psalms are a gift from God through our Jewish ancestors to move us, 
to open us to God's desire to be part of the fullness of what we feel. Our praise, our pain, our joy, our rage, our hope, our despair. Sometimes folks will uh, be sharing with me something that they're going through and they'll, they'll be talking about how they feel about it. And then sometimes they'll say, I know I shouldn't say this, but, or they'll say, I know I shouldn't feel this way, but, and, and I ask, well, why? Why shouldn't you say that? Why shouldn't you feel that? It's simply what you feel. And it's all in the Psalms, which means there's nothing that we feel that is too much for God. The psalmist give us permission to take it to the Lord in prayer, but to take all of it, even if it is scary or raw or rude. Chances are a psalmist has felt it too, and it's in the Bible. There's something about the season of Easter and springtime, maybe not a, a, a rainy day, but actually, yes, a, a rainy day that lends itself to some poetic reflection. So we're going to spend the spring in these psalms, taking a close look at just a few of them so that, that maybe it can open a door for you in your own uh, practice of, of reading psalms, whether you want to read through the book of psalms or read a, one psalm every day, uh, the same psalm for a week. Maybe you want to read the psalms with a friend. Um, I'm hoping that, that spending a few weeks looking at some psalms will maybe uh, demystify them or make them uh, feel like something approachable for you. The psalms that we're going to look at in the series are the lectionary psalms uh, for each week. So we begin with Psalm 133. In the Bible, Psalm 133 is in a group of several other psalms called a Songs of Ascents. The psalm itself that we heard, it has a kind of ascent to it, a climbing aspect. It ends on top of a mountain. The title of these songs of ascent, so it likely refers to them having been sung uh, by Jewish communities on their pilgrimages to Jerusalem. Imagine the, the songs that we would sing if we right now were to, to get on a bus together and drive to a retreat. We'd probably get to singing some songs. Or if we were to go on a hike together, maybe we'd sing some songs as we hiked along the way. We often, when we were bringing our offering and elements forward, we would sing a song together. These are our traveling songs. That's what Psalm 133 was, a song of ascent. So listen again to Psalm 133. It says, how very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord ordained his blessing, 
life forevermore. Psalm 133 is a timely song for our own ascent as a church because it is a full-throated celebration of community, of togetherness, of unity. Last Sunday on Easter, when I climbed into this pulpit, as I have done almost every week since the pandemic began, it was the first time in a long time that actual faces were looking back at me, your faces. And I admit I was not prepared for how that would feel. That, that week was full of logistics, of busyness, of, of bulletins, and, and thinking about our health and, and the music and Easter baskets, or supper at home. I hadn't really paused to prepare myself for the emotional impact of being together. I don't know, did that strike any of you last week? It's been so long. How very good and pleasant it is when we can be together. It took my breath away. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity, declares the psalmist. And ain't it the truth? Ain't it the truth after these many months of living our lives apart? It doesn't 133 sing the songs of our hearts. I sometimes receive a call asking when we'd be returning to worship. My reply was always the same. When the council feels that we can do so safely, but I felt that longing to be together, just part of the pain of being apart. So how very good and pleasant it is when the family of faith can actually live our lives together again. This psalm declares that it the precious, it is a, a precious gift to have a family of faith. We are not only friends and neighbors who gather to worship. We are a family, siblings of our brother Jesus. That's what makes it so exciting today that, that Jim and Lita are going to be publicly joining Christ Church that Bridget and John will be joining us next week. I mean, we've known for so long you're part of this family, but today, publicly, they will declare how good and pleasant it is to be committed to each other as siblings, as the church, kindred. What's better than the family being together? Well, when it's actually good that the family is together. For some, family is not fun. For some, there's nothing good or pleasant about kinfolk, the family, being together. If there's unresolved conflict or hostility, pain, how good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity, says the psalmist. But how awful it can be when that family is filled with conflict, turmoil. I think the psalmist knew both. Many families do know both. All families have their struggles and, and pain. Psalm 133 is a vision of hope, knowing that often families and communities will fall short, that they can be places of hurt and division 
but how good and pleasant it is when we can be part of a harmonious family, a community that believes in taking responsibility, in reconciliation, in forgiveness and healing, a family of grace that, that can deal with conflict and move forward in love, in unity. It takes grace, takes love, and, and forgiveness for a community to live together in unity for any significant amount of time. Because we are a human family where we will sometimes let each other down. But how good and pleasant it is when we can make forgiveness and reconciliation a part of that DNA. How good and pleasant it is when it's working out. And how worth it it is to put in the work to stay a community of healing and love. It's like this precious oil on the head running down upon the beard, upon the beard of Aaron. Aaron was a, a, a celebrity in the Bible, Moses' brother, running down over the collars of his robes. But oil was costly, and it, it's a precious luxury in ancient Israel. It was used for healing and for purifying, for anointing. In that dry heat, it, it soothed your skin, it made you shine. Community, healthy community, is like that, isn't it? For the lonely, it, it soothes. For the emotionally and spiritually dry, community can comfort and heal. The gift of a loving community is luxurious and priceless. After the resurrection, according to John, Jesus visited his disciples. He was alive again. The, the community was racked by grief and now suddenly overwhelmed by the healing of Jesus' physical presence. They were whole again, united. The, the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. He spoke his peace. He forgave them. He blessed them with the Holy Spirit. He let them touch him. And they declared, my Lord and my God. He's healing their community with forgiveness and love. He's reuniting that body. And how precious is that gift? It's like this precious oil on the, the head, running down your face, running down your collar. It's beautiful and excessive and costly grace. We've learned not to take community for granted. A virus altered community, our community, for months. Death shakes our community. There are places in the world right now where communities cannot gather, communities of faith cannot gather because of fear of persecution. As precious as community unity is, it's also sometimes rare. It is like the dew that falls on the dry mountains of Zion. Do in this arid landscape like Zion, it may be rare, but it is cherished because it nourishes the plants and the animals there. And so does community. So does this nourish each of us. 
So does a community like ours act as a source of nourishment for others, for, for our neighborhood. That's what the first disciples did in the book of Acts. It says that a great grace was upon them and there was not a needy person among them. They nourished each other. Beloved, this community, this family of faith, this kindred, how very good and precious it is. The precious oil running down our faces like the morning dew on the springtime flowers. This community is a luxury and a necessity and a precious gift from God. For here, the Lord ordained his blessings, life forevermore. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.